Coming up in this episode, Randy and I are going to talk about common mistakes that new writers make. And, of course, we've got our listener emails. So stick around. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, any random thoughts that pop into our head, and of course, one of the best places to ride in America, the Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis. Work hard. Heartland Honda Power Sports and Arena is your go-to place for everything Honda. We have Honda street bikes, dirt bikes, and scooters. We have Honda ATVs and side-by-sides. We have five highly competent, red-level certified technicians for all your Honda service needs. We even have Honda Power Equipment and Honda Marine products. Established in 1996, and we are still locally owned and operated. Check out Heartland Honda Power Sports and Marine, exit 72 in Springdale. For your safety, read the owner's man, wear a helmet, eye protection, always wear your seatbelt, and keep side nets, doors closed, ATVs and side-by-sides, drivers 16 years and older. There he goes, finally off to work. You know, it's been six months since his accident. He just got his new bike, was going to take it for a spin around the block. Some idiot looking at his phone ran a stoplight and plowed right into him. Steve was hurt pretty bad. Thank goodness he was wearing a helmet. And thank goodness for Schmidt Law Firm. Motorcycle accidents happen. Schmidt Law Firm will prove negligence and help you get full recovery. Find them online at KansasCityLawyers.com. Put Schmidt Law Firm on your side of the table because motorcycle accidents do happen. There's no better way to top off your ride through Pulaski County, Missouri than to spend some time floating peacefully downstream and dipping your toes in the cool currents of their pristine waterways. Whether you float by kayak, canoe, or raft, Float trips are the heart of the Ozarks. Nearly a hundred miles of twisting waterways, including the Big Piney and Gasconade Rivers, each offering unique float experiences and scenery. Rubido Spring, with its pristine waters providing the perfect natural swimming hole, plus a labyrinth of submarine caves and caverns. Local outfitters ready to make your trip effortless with gear such as life jackets and vessels, including inner tubes, paddle boards, kayaks, and canoes. Numerous hotels, campgrounds, and RV parks are ready to host your group. Plan your trip by taking the online tour at visitpulaskicounty.org. Welcome back to another episode of Random Thoughts from the Road. With me, as always, is Ranty the Panty Thief Lewis from <laughs> Bike Works in Urbana, Missouri. I'm not far off, am I? No, no. In a past life. Something like that. Yeah. What's up, Playgirl? Really? Really. <laughs> Haven't been into this less than 30 seconds, and you're hey, already dissing me. Hey, it's just what I do. It is what you do. Have you had a good week? Yeah, man. It's Not that anybody right. gives a shit. Not really. No, they don't. It's just filling time. <laughs> as long as the check's clear, they don't give a shit. That's right. Well, first thing we want to do is address some listener emails. I've got two yeah. of them. First one is from George in Buffalo, New York. Damn, it's cold there. Ah, yeah, it is. That lake effect snow? Yeah. Pass. It's going to get colder, too. That's a hard too. no for me. <laughs> says, hey, guys, love your show. Well, there's something right there. Right out of the gate, there's something wrong with them. Probably so. Yeah. If money was no object, what would be your ultimate dream bike just to own? Mm. 
Man, that's that's rough. Now, I'm going to add something to this. Okay. Not only just to own, but in your case, you can't resell it. Shut up, dude. This is for you, like, like the ultimate. Shut up. And the money's no object. We're talking about Randy Lewis kind of money. <laughs> Freaking Trail 70, then? <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. Man. Or do you need time to think about it? I always need time because it, when you have to isolate me down to just one well, I'm going to pick two. My kids always say, hey, what's your favorite this? Or what's your favorite that? And I'm like, guys, I really hate to tell you this, but I don't have favorites. Like, I get zero attachment to most of everything. It's Including just weird. You. Yeah. So that's just the way that I am. So you got that going for you. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I've, I actually couldn't decide, so I picked two. All right. I picked one, uh, 1919, the year my dad was born. A Broff Superior, their first year. Okay. What's the relevance? You just wanted to hate on Harley and say, I don't want a Harley? No, I just like this bike. It's uh, uh, the bike TE Lawrence, you know, Lawrence of Arabia Road. Uh, It's a slick bike. Okay. I think it's one of the prettiest bikes out there. And kind of goes against the the, uh, thing that I said about you can't resell it. It's an extremely valuable bike. Okay. Uh, we're talking you get way loans? into the six digits. Can you get loans against it? Probably. <laughs> and the Here, other one is a 1924 collateral. Ace with its 1400 cc straight four engine. Okay. Have you ever heard of that? The yeah. Ace. Yeah, I have. Okay. I've actually seen one in a museum, an old yeah. Ace. So. I thought you were going to say you seen one come through your shop. No, no, <laughs> no. They're not around no, here. No, 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 not no. Not going to no. see that. Not at all. So. Well. Where my mind is at right now, I would probably take, for one of the bikes, a long chopper with a Sugar Bear front end on it. Um, engine power plant wise. A modern shit, bike? Somewhat. Here's the thing. And here's here's where you and I differ. I enjoy riding. You enjoy looking. You're not, your big ass ain't going to get on either one of those two motorcycles I will guarantee it. you I've got more time on the road than you do. <laughs> well, shit, Or you sons. will ever. It's because you and Moses created the first one. <laughs> That's so, right. So, yeah, of course, naturally Stone you wheels. have more time. But I, I don't think I would want one just to say I had one or to look at it or anything like that. So That's fair enough. I would probably go with one with a, a tall upstretch and outstretch and run a sugar bear front end. Just because I'm, I'm just really because you like saying sugar bear. Yeah, I guess it's better than sugar tits. But so I would say <laughs> something on your perspective, something similar to that. Now I don't know if I'd go skinny back tire or fat back tire or just kind of be in, in between or what. But I, I think that is one of the bikes that I would really particularly. What like kind of to engine? Have. So that's the that's the toss up. Everybody that I know is going to be like, oh, it's got to be a pan or it's got to be this. I still think that I would do a big inch Evo for whatever reason some gnarly exhaust on it maybe a pan head just because again i want to ride it you know pans and knuckles i like riding above 80 miles an hour most of the time now yes people are gonna be like well shit you can still do that yeah i'm sure you still can do that but i think a big inch evo something like what sugar bear would have built something similar to that would be one of them yeah the next one frick dude do I have to keep it? I can't sell it. Yeah, yes. This is yes. These are not to. You can uh, will it to somebody when you die. Yeah. But that's it. Like the ones I chose, maybe they would be running, and I maybe would ride them once in a while. But pretty much, they'd spend most of their time in my living room. Man, frick! I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. 
I, I like so much different shit right now that I don't so know. So whatever what. you chose right now could in a half an hour yeah, theoretically well, change. For sure. For sure. I would probably have to say some lay frame motorcycle, something that I built. I've got a couple of bikes that I'm working on building right now for myself. No, well, granted. I guarantee you I can pick the right bike for you. What's that? It's a square. It's a box. And it's full of $100 bills for some future <laughs> bike. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Is that a problem that everybody else has? Yeah. Not knowing what they want or wanting so much that they can't, they don't know where to start. Yeah. You know, everybody busts my balls on like my vehicles, my trucks. I go through them like they're freaking underwear, right? That's because I'm poor. I can afford one really nice one. But I can't afford two really nice ones. You're not poor. You're middle class. So <laughs> I get one really nice one and use it for a year or two and then move on to the next one. No, so there you that's kind of how I am with motorcycles and everything. Like You like the revolving door type of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Let's move on to the next question. This is from Kelly out of Lubbock, Texas. Ah, okay. Flatlands. Yeah. Says, I don't know if you guys have touched on this before, but I was, and we have. But I was wondering, what was the best ride that you've ever been on anywhere in the U.S. and the best ride in the Ozarks? I, I kind of would translate that, the ride you have the fondest memories of. Okay, okay. I will give you the one that I have the most fondest memories of. And this is about as sentimental as I'm ever going to get. So yeah, I've heard re- this story, go ahead. Record some bitch. And it's not flashy. It is when my father-in-law got his first Harley. And him and I, we logged, should I say we logged 10,000 miles in three months, maybe four months. And it was the shittiest time of year, like February, March through May. And it was all around here, freaking 50, 60 miles at a time. Every single night we'd go for a ride. And it's usually five or six of the same roads right around here. He was just kind of getting used to it and learning and not wanting to... Not wanting to jack up his new motorcycle, but... Had he ridden before getting that bike? Freaking years and years ago. And I think it was like a little 350 Kawasaki or something. Like it okay. was a shit little bike. It barely it barely makes speed. And then he got his Deluxe, which I own now. No, you don't. Well, technically I do, but it is my son's motorcycle. It will be his first bike. But... I mean, I tell you what, it, it was so funny. My wife was pregnant for like 10 years straight, it seemed like. You know, right. we, have, we have three children. She was constantly pregnant. And I'd work and then come home, and my father-in-law would give me a phone call before I was leaving where I was working to go home. Wanted to know if I'd go for a ride. Well, then I would tell my wife, like, hey, your, your dad wants to go for a ride. You know, it's your dad. How can I say no? Type of stuff like that. And then he would tell his wife that, hey, Randy wants to go for a ride. You know, it's Randy. How could I say no? So every single night, we'd be in the doghouse for a You're couple working hours. working against each yeah, other or for w- each other. With each other against, you know, against our wives. And I, I tell you what, like, he was not a fast rider, still isn't a fast rider. And if I ever wanted to stretch it out, I'd just haul ass for a while and then I'd slow way back down. And he always knew, like, I would always slow down. I'd always let him catch up. Or I would just pace it and keep it the same pace. He's not a guy that likes to be in front. Like, he's got anxiety with that. So he has to be in the back. And then he also would feel bad when we first started riding. We had to learn each other as far as that goes. Um, but he, he hated feeling like he was holding me up. So one day I told him, I said, look, man, 
I'll probably do a burnout here and there. I'll drift it around a little bit. I'm going to haul ass through some corners. I said, but I will always slow back down and let you catch up. And it, it makes no shit a difference to me. Like, I don't care. That's it. So we we logged so many miles just riding 50, 60 miles at a time at an, you know, of an evening. So that's probably the one that I have the fondest memories of. That's cool. A lot of people with their in-laws, they want to uh, get a restraining order, but <laughs> not you. Mm-mm. So would that also go for your ride for the Ozarks? It, no, it, it wouldn't. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't pimp it out to say, "Hey, these are the best rides in the Ozarks," just no, because no. it's so just the one you. And like I said, it, it doesn't matter if it's scenic or whatever the best ride. It's whatever you have the fondest memories of. All right. Well, I'll tell you the the other one that I have in mind, and it was the shittiest trip that I've ever been. Well, one of the shittiest trips in the Ozarks. Um, I've been on some crappy ones out west and stuff but anyway my wife had done something nice for me she put together a birthday ride for me so it was there was the whole crew like 60 70 guys and we were gonna ride in basically just for my birthday whatever oh this is the one you went down to the ferry yeah so we go down to the peel ferry and everything that could gone wrong did go wrong like we had two or three bikes break down and blow some parts up and everybody knows you're a mechanic yeah yeah we had one guy this is the one that i was just like man this is motorcycling at its finest the other ones were stupid little shit you know quick fixes here and there whatever still having a good time got to the ferry had a couple drinks had some mexican food waiting on the ferry to come back across got on it and started smoking out down through arkansas and had a guy on a night train lose a tube on his front tire well, what the hell do you do in Arkansas? Like where, where that's at, there's nothing around. Right. So his wife was riding a sport bike at the time and he was riding this night train. So we find a spot to pull over. I found a big ass rock and me and a couple of guys picked it up and set it on the rock. Well, another handful of guys in the, in the crew had some tools with them. So we yanked the front wheel off and happened to be like 15 miles back from where we were. There was a dollar general. So he got on his wife's sport bike, hauled ass back to Dollar General and got some patches because they sell stupid shit like that. Right. So, okay, now what do you do with air? How do you get air into it? So a couple of guys who were together, paint that picture yourself, come by and stopped and was talking to us, wanting to get us to go back to their house to have some blueberry cobbler. As, as you do. Yeah, sure. No shit. I'm just like, well, this is fucking weird. All right, whatever. Well, there's two ways of looking at that. There's the one way, and then you're in the middle of nowhere in Arkansas. Yeah. Stranger danger. Yeah, no joke. So how we accomplished getting air is took a spark plug out. And this is, I don't know how this worked or why it worked, which there is actually a tool that's like this that uses this. Took a spark plug out of the engine and happened to have, you know, three or four short pieces of rubber hose. Electrical tape them together. Take the valve core out of the tire after we got the tube patched and it all put back on, put it over the top of the valve stem, and then just held that to that fuel line into the engine as much as we could to seal it off. And just cranked it. Cranked it. And it started pumping air. Really? It finally pumped enough air to get into the tire. Now, then it was the hurry up. That's some serious MacGyvering. Yeah, yeah. So yank the fuel line off the valve stem, plug it, get the core ready, slap it back in there and tighten it up. And then we got out to 65 and was able to top it off with air. And then, cool. So that's, that's probably the one that just, that sounds like a, actually a good trip. It was, I mean, everything, I mean, it was like 
something happening every 30, 45 minutes. But it was all fixable and it was all weird shit. And like, Nobody had to be uh, carted out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, I think my uh, most memorable ride or the one that I like the best, Beartooth Pass in Wyoming. Ah, that'd be I've, cool. I've done that a few times and yeah, it just stupid slick and never, ever gets old. That's cool. I've not been on that ride, but I have oh so many customers who are like, oh, you got to. There are no words. Hmm. So in the Ozarks, one time um, I had, uh, back when I was still in business, I actually took off just about two and a half, almost three weeks, said, screw it. I threw my laptop in my ba- in my bag and uh, just in case I needed to do something for a client. Yeah. I didn't come home every night. I stayed in a motel and for about two and a half weeks, I rode every single ride map on my website oh yeah and just started at the north and weave through just the south him. and went all the way down to mina and uh and then of course when i got all the way down i come right back up the the west side and just made a yeah. big loop out of everything and uh that was fun i bet you know that's what's so cool about all your ride maps is that there's a lot of shit on there that's not on those pamphlet ride maps that you see when you go to the big rally down in Arkansas and stuff, yeah, you know they always have those top eight, top ten rides or whatever, and it's always the same stuff. There's and a they lot aren't. of yeah, there's a lot of stuff on your ride maps that you know most people have no idea. Now there's a lot of them on there that you know through Central Arkansas and Southern Missouri that people when they go to Fayetteville they hit a lot of parts of a lot of these rides. But yeah, hey, we've got those rides on our ride maps, the, yeah. the, those pamphlet rides. Yeah, I mean it'd be stupid not to. Yeah, for sure. But they're uh, in the minority. It's kind of, it's just one of those things that's kind of cool. Like, like I said, they'll ride parts of your rides as far as you have mm-hmm. mapped out, but not maybe that entire loop or that entire route or whatever, right. um, which is kind of neat. But I think that's what's so cool about it is, is, is like building custom bikes. You take certain parts and certain elements that you really like from different styles or genres and you put them all together and it comes together in some glorious bike well one of the neat things is these rides are laid out in such a way that you can say well i want to take this ride but every ride can connect to another one to another one without going very far yeah that's i think that's really cool so anyways that would be my answer so shifting gears no pun intended what uh, he's slick fellas (laughs) ain't that the truth (laughs) um new riders yeah mate some mistakes that they make yeah, yeah, yeah. You for wanted sure. to talk about that. Yeah, I've seen a lot of it in the past couple months for whatever reason. Coming which, through your shop? Yeah, honestly, it is, which is kind of twofold. Now, are you, you know, going to tell the story about the trike? Oh, shit, man. I can unload that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll include that as well because that's All a right. fun one. We'll start with that real quick. So, okay, so set the scene. So. I'm selling for one, a really good customer. He's just getting to the age. He's, he's getting out of all riding for whatever reason. Now, he's not that decrepit and that old, but, you know, his choice, whatever. So I'm selling his 2014 Harley Tri-Glide. It's black, so it's, I mean, it's super desirable, and it is clean as a freaking mint. It's got 9,991 miles on it, something like Essentially that. Essentially new. Yes. And when I say this guy is anal retentive about cleaning and maintenance, like that does it no justice. This guy is a freak for it. Five mile ride or 500 mile ride. Every last part of that bike comes apart and he cleans it from the inside out. Puts it back together type of person. Anyway, 
I've got a customer, I'm working on his 16 road glide for him, something small, no big deal, but he's been in my shop for the past two or three years saying, hey, I'm looking for a tri-glide. You get a black one, it has to be black, and it has to be a factory trike. Let me know. Well, no shit, it comes through. So I hold it for a couple of days until his bike is done so I can show it to him. First thing he does is tries to beat me up on the price which it, I, it pisses me off because I don't price anything above value. Like it's just market value. The bike is what it is. It's worth only so much. It's worth exactly don't what it's worth. Don't your customers that you're selling the bike for essentially set the price or they tell you what they would like? We work together and I say, hey, this is what this bike is worth. What do you have to have out of it? And then we find it. And we, we work through that. Is that why you always tell me my bike's worth $1.95? Yes, that is exactly right. <laughs> market value is different from... NADA or any of that other bullshit right. that banks go and look at. So anyway, finally get him lined out on what it's going to sell for, what it's going to take, everything. Well, he wants to test ride it. And I'm like, well, shit, you know, I, I do let certain people test ride. So I take it. He's got a motorcycle's license, got his insurance, take all that. And I preface this. I'm like, look, if this bike does not come back in the exact same shape, you bought it. I don't care if it's a little an elderly gentleman. Yes. Okay. So I don't care if it's a nick or if it's totaled, like you're buying this machine, no shit around it. And that kind of deters people for just taking joy rides. Right. Mm -hmm. So this motherfucker doesn't even get out of the parking lot. He gets on it. I show him everything about it. So granted, this guy's never been on a, on a trike. He's been on a two wheeler, never been on a trike before. So I go through everything and I tell him, I'm like, Hey, this is not like a two wheeler. It's not like your road glide. You have to steer it. You can't just lean and expect it to go. You have to steer it. And so for God's sakes, whatever you do, don't put your feet down. It's just don't do it because your foot will stick on the ground. It'll roll back underneath the back tire and you're going you're gonna to screw yourself up or get yourself out of sorts so bad. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. It's kind of being a prick about it because... I'm telling him and I'm, I'm explaining it and explaining that there is a difference to riding a, you know, conventional two wheel motorcycle to a trike. So he's kind of being short and an asshole. He knows everything. I'm like, okay, whatever, man. Well, here you go. If you go this way, about five miles, there's a school. You can turn around in a big asphalt parking lot. If you go this way, a couple miles, there's a gas station, you know, choose it, which, whichever way. So the way my building is laid out, there's a massive, I mean, there's a pretty big entrance. It's probably 30 foot wide entrance off the highway. Right. And then there's probably about eight or nine foot of grass on each side of that before it goes into a culvert, a big ditch that runs along the highway, right? Yeah, a drainage ditch. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes to take off and he's going straight for my sign. And I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck? Isn't turning. So he stops a couple of times. And then finally kind of gets it pointed towards the entrance. And at this point, I'm just nervous as shit. So I come walking down there to him to say, hey, man, what, what's going on? And before I get there, he lets her go again, runs through the grass, misses about a five foot drop off by nine or ten inches. And then instead of steering it back out to the highway, he cuts the thing and goes behind my mailbox that sits at the highway so it's in the grass and it just runs it down into this ditch even further. And then he's getting lateral with the big ditch. So he's, you know, parallel to it. Uh -huh. Instead of turning back up to the highway, he turns it right into the ditch and sinks that front wheel down into the, one of the deepest parts of the ditch. Just boom, comes to an abrupt stop and I'm freaking livid. So I keep my cool. 
Now, do you know this person or is this somebody just off? Just a customer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One of the first times he'd been to the shop and he's all out of sorts and nervous and whatever. And I'm like, just get off the bike. So I kill it, get him off the bike and I, the reverse sucks on him. And I knew it was a long shot to try to reverse it back up out of that hole that was in. So I activate reverse and I get back, try to back it up. It, you know, hits the circuit breaker a couple of times. So finally I'm like, shit, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like this sucker is down in here. So if I just muscle it up and I grab the front wheel on the front end and just lift as I push it back up out of the hole, got it out of the ditch. Now the bike won't start. Like it's like the battery's dead. I mean, it's, it's just having some issues now and I'm freaking hot because now I have to try to explain to the guy that I'm selling it for that. Hey, this guy wrote it and kind of fucked it up, you know, type of thing. So I finally get it pushed up out of the ditch, back it all the way back into my showroom. And he sits on my couch and I'm like, I need a minute. Just fucking sit here and don't say a word. So I walked out, finished taking pictures of the bike that I was taking pictures of. Come back in. I said, look, it's clear that you're not buying the motorcycle. And he goes, I wouldn't say that. And I'm like, no, like I'm on the fringe. I may not even sell you this bike. Like I'm that pissed right now. Then he shows back up the next day wanting to pay for it. And I'm like, oh, God dang. Okay, whatever. I'll sell it. Um, I charged the battery up and it started up perfectly fine. Anyway, long, long way around it. He ended up buying it. But because he was so unconfident and not used to it and wouldn't take any advice, he ran this $25,000 bike into the ditch. So. Is he still alive? He is. I thought he was going to die when he when he bought it. He rode it around in my parking lot for probably 20 minutes and he almost hit a side-by-side I had out there just trying to learn and get used to it before he left. So that's kind of what brought me into the idea of, you know, new riders, common mistakes that they make. And the biggest one is just not being comfortable with the machine and not being comfortable with themselves enough to know. Slash also overconfident. Yes, yes. That's a dangerous combination. Mm-hmm. So I tell, you know, I tell people a lot. I'm like, hey, sit on it, feel the weight, know where everything's at on it. He'll read the owner's manual. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, learn your motorcycle before you really go put yourself in harm's way. The other big thing that I see is they ride the clutch so much, you know, like, they won't let the motorcycle have power, so they're all the time on the clutch and trying to coast. Well, when you coast, you're going to come to a speed where you have to put your feet down, right? Right. So they're all the time feet down, feet up, clutch, on clutch, off clutch, and then shifting their weight left and right a whole bunch. You know, if they just calm down, let the bike have power, and then at that point, it just becomes balancing. You you see what I'm saying? Like. You don't have to have your feet down when the bike's pulling itself because it will maintain an upright position as long as you're just kind of balancing it and keeping it up. It's like a bicycle. Yeah, exactly. So that that's one of the bigger ones that I see is they don't want to feel the power of the engine pulling it because they don't feel like they're in control. So they're all the time on the clutch. And when they're on the clutch, they have to put their feet down and then their feet are dragging and sticking. And it's just not a, a good situation. So typically what I will tell people is, Either go to a big parking lot, asphalt parking lot, because gravel is hard to learn on, or get on it, get out on the highway and just go. Just go straight as you can for as long as you can. Just drive. 
get used to how it reacts and how it feels and feeling the weight and keeping it upright. See, this is where a rider safety course would be invaluable. Yeah, yeah. Something else that I notice a lot of, and it's usually at slow speeds, is their heavy front breakers because it's convenient. Back to they want to have their feet on the ground and then they have their heavy on the front brake because they freak out a lot and think, oh, I need to stop. I need to stop. So they're quick to grab the front brake and grab it really hard. Well, as anybody knows, if you're going slow speeds and you're not going straight, say you're trying to turn and you grab the front brake and it works, that uh-huh. bike instantly wants to just fall over. Like it, right. it shoves you to the ground. So then they feel it falling over and they let off and give it gas. Like they just don't have a good feel of, you know, how hard to apply brake and then clutching it and keeping it going and things like that. So being a heavy front breaker is is just super dangerous in my opinion. It's already extra dangerous if you're on a gravel road. Oh my God. I don't ever touch the front brake on a gravel road. It, it Never. is. It is tough. Yes. You can predict a rear tire slide and, and you can kind of work through a rear tire slide, but you almost inevitably cannot work through a front tire slide or a front wheel that will just stop. It just right locks it up and stops the front tire because you're going down yeah you're going slow enough that it there's not enough inertia behind it to let it slide so it just grabs and sticks well there is enough inertia from the weight moving forward to keep moving forward when you apply front brake Uh and push you over so those those are probably the two of the biggest mistakes that i see so another mistake that uh, new riders make is uh, coming into corners yeah like at speed yeah yeah for sure So something I'll see a lot of is, especially if they ride with an experienced rider. So an experienced rider usually carries a little bit of speed through a corner. They're used to it. They know that you can counter steer and lean the bike pretty hard and maintain speed through a corner. Well, new riders, most of them don't grasp the concept of counter steering, you know, pitch the handlebars a little bit to the right to bang hard to the left stuff like that. So what they'll do is they'll run up on a corner really, really fast. And then they just dynamite the brakes to try to slow down enough to stay upright and kind of steer it through the corner. And then they're hard as shit back on the throttle trying to catch back up. Well, in some of the places that we ride where there's switchbacks and, you know, back and forth corners, what happens is, is they typically start carrying a lot more speed through the corners. And again, they'll grab their front brake, which is not very good for steering around a corner or or turning around a corner. And then what they'll do is typically they either come into the corner in the wrong lane. In the wrong position, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they come in so fast that the first reaction they have is to get on the brakes. And not thinking that when you get on the brakes, it takes away counter steering. Like it's hard to counter steer or steer one through. So that's why you see a ton of them come into a corner really, really shallow too fast and they run off the corner. Because they're just approaching it really fast. And then once they get there, they think they have to slow down as opposed to, you know, counter steering and leaning the bike as hard as it'll go around the corner. Right. One of the things that I've noticed about new riders, um, and not even necessarily new riders, that is a big safety thing. Around here, we got a lot of hills and valleys and what some people call whoop-de-doos. Oh, yeah. Which are, are fun. Yeah. But, um... What I find that they do is they'll ride the line. Oh, yeah. The center line. Yeah. And so to me, when you're coming up to a hill where you can't see what's on the other side, you Mm -hmm. should always be on the curb side of the line. 
Yeah, or at least further or at least over in the middle. Way. Yeah, don't ride the line because what has happened a lot is the guy coming towards you who you don't know is there because mm-hmm. you can't see. Sometimes they're riding that line too, or they're even over the line. Yeah, head-on collisions I found in my experience are no good. I believe so. Yeah, I could see the reasoning behind that. And what I do when I'm in an urban setting. I will ride the center line a little closer, not ride the line, but get a little closer to the center side because there's always that guy pulling out of a parking lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so I want to have a little bit of distance. And what I also will do is I will not so much watch the car. I'll mentally note that the car's there. Mm-hmm. But then my attention is not on the car. It's on the front wheel. Yeah, if it's rolling or not. If that wheel, because you'll notice that wheel turning. Mm-hmm. way before you notice the car is moving. So that's where I focus my attention on. Just a, a handy tip there for the new riders. For sure. You, know, you talk about going over hills. We live in farm country. Certain times of the year, there's people moving implements all over the country. Oh my gosh, yes. You you can come over a hill and not see it until the last minute. Exactly. There's a tractor. Yeah, or someone pulling a hay rake from the opposite direction that hangs over the center line. Like right. our back roads, these letter roads, they're not very big. Right. And those rakes will hang over into your lane a little bit. So if you're hugging that going over a hill, you're fu- you might find yourself smacking a piece of farm equipment or something. And which never turns out well. Yeah. But I think the key to that is just in general, when I leave the house, I assume everybody out there, whether it's a farm equipment or a car or whatever, mm-hmm. everybody else on that road that day is gonna kill out you. to a mission to kill me personally. Yeah. yeah. So I ride very defensively. Which does not mean you can't have fun, but you got to assume that that other person has absolutely no concern for you and and which they don't. Yeah. There's something. They're not looking out for you. Right. There's something to be said about being cautious and leery of everybody else out there. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, but you can't let it overwhelm you to where you're frightened. Yeah. Exactly. It's, there's, it's risk analysis. Like there's risk in everything that you do, no matter what. Oh, yeah. I could have slipped uh, twice last night when I got up to pee in the middle of the night or stubbed my toe. There's a risk in everything. Yes, yes. I'm going to go back real quick to to cornering with new riders. Something that I think they teach you in the riding school is, have you ever heard the phrase, the bike or car or whatever will go where your eyes are? Right. You know, so if you're looking at the front side of the corner or you're looking at the white line naturally through whatever it is built into our bodies, that's where we are going to go to. So something I was taught a long time ago or told a long time ago was to look around the corner, not at the corner. So when you look at it, your eyes are focused on one point as you go around the corner, that's where you're looking to go to. So a lot of guys that are freaking out about the edge or the white line or running off the corner, they focus on that and they try to stay away from it. Well, they're kind of fighting themselves, and they're going to naturally gravitate to go to it. So you look around the corner, you're looking ahead where you're going to as right. opposed to looking at it. Plus it'll help you with avoiding stuff or shit in the road or whatever. So look around the corner and, and you're steering to that point that you're looking at. Well, and that goes to just general writing. And, and it, a lot of people, new writers have a tendency to look down right in front of their yeah where they're at which if you notice a problem right there it's too late for sure so you i mean you you look down occasionally uh, potholes or whatever but your focus should be yeah well way out front yep definitely well ahead of you because there's that response time yep so 
I'll, I think we'll end it up there. I mean, you've babbled on enough, and that's what I you know, do. I'm starting to put me to sleep. So, <laughs> it's but then sweet, again, I'm old. I need a nap. It's that sweet, soothing voice that I have, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, it just it just coaxes you out of your clothes. I mean, asleep or we're into bed, whatever, whatever it is. <sighs> God, there's something inherently wrong with you. <laughs> Fuck around. So, uh, listen, if you have a question that you would like to throw our way, you can go to ozarkrides.com. Uh, go to the podcast page. There's a little area there. You can send us an email. We would love to hear your questions. Doesn't matter what it's about. Doesn't even have to be motorcycle related. We'll answer it. Yeah. Maybe. Man, like we said, the corkier, the better. Yeah. I mean, if you think it's stupid, that's the one we want to hear. <laughs> yeah, I want to see some shit. And if it truly is stupid, I won't read them. <laughs> so no worries. Yeah. So you might consider doing that. It's always fun to read the emails. So until next time, always ride safe and keep it on two wheels. <laughs>